As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful, Herbal Face Food, for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Let's dive into today's conversation regarding life's myriad transitions and how we refine our responses in our relationships, our wellness, our households, our work, and in our practices. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me a new old friend who was a huge part of my life in New York City before we even knew each other, who has 
rendered so many birthdays and so many special occasions, both while I lived in New York and now that I live elsewhere in New Mexico, uh, rendered these occasions so special with her work. It is my great honor to introduce you to Erin McKenna. She is a businesswoman. She is the founder of Baby Cakes. And if you know what I'm talking about, because you lived in New York and maybe even lived downtown in the early 2000s, Baby Cakes was the first ever, hear me, gluten-free vegan bakery. And Erin's focus with that niche bakery was not only delicious, create delicious food, but create delicious food for people with food allergies. So good that people would crave it. Uh, And this is precisely what happened. She is an impressive human, and I am really honored to have you here today, Erin. Oh my God, (laughs) that is the best intro I've ever had. Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Um, (laughs) Dude, I can't tell you. If my babysitter listens to this, we had the same sitter from Jonah was zero Uh, to 14. If she hears this, she knows. We used to go down there. We used to pick up all his birthday uh, cakes and cupcakes, everything. You were my life so we for a may long have time. Met, for and I probably have handed you a cake. We, I, I'm sure I'm that I sure. frosted at least a few of uh, your child's cakes because I was the only froster for several years and almost had a nervous breakdown. And I realized I needed to ask for I'm help sure. and trust somebody. We need a froster, people. Yeah. We need a froster. Yeah. I wanted to have you on, not just because I love, you know, a really light and playful conversation, and I love talking to women who have had a vision, and out of thin air, and all of their blood and sweat and tears made something real happen in the world that has had an impact on many thousands, if not millions of families. You're now uh, shipping nationwide on Gold Belly. I was just checking it out. Um, I can imagine that no cupcakes are available, but you do have incredible cakes, uh, gluten-free challah from my Jewish friends. Coffee cake looked ridiculous. I think that's what I'm going to order when I come back home. And as well as little um, six-inch gluten-free, fully frosted birthday cakes, fully vegan. Like I'm just so excited for you. Now you've branched out, and I think you have uh, four locations now. You have New York City. You have uh, Los Angeles, I guess, downtown. Yes. And, oh, actually, you know, it's you in Santa- Larchmont Village. Yeah, Santa Monica. Larchmont, fine. So not really. In Santa Monica and in Disney Springs in Orlando. How smart are you? It's, honestly, I love the topic. Um because I was raised one of 12 children and um, we didn't get a lot of parenting, which is great. It kind of makes you a bit more scrappy and gives you grit. And we were raised not having a lot. So I was always just a risk taker. I was someone who had a ton of ideas. I wanted to do everything because I didn't have someone hovering over me all the time, there was no reason I couldn't do whatever I wanted to do if I, I just tried and figured it out. The thing about it that was interesting to me was I would always look at people who were successful. When I was in my late teens, early 20s, I would look at people who were doing big things in life. And I always said, well, that's not me. That's not possible because I wasn't born into money. I don't have connections. I can't even get a job at, you know, a restaurant in LA. I felt like this incredible block as far as, okay, well, that's them. They are successful because they had these interesting circumstances or connections or they bought their way in or something. There was a reason why they were able to do their life's work and I would never be able to. And it was back in maybe 2001, I started listening to Michael Beckwith, who is a spiritual speaker. And I had a full spiritual like opening and I just completely had a healing experience. I don't even know how to describe it. I just started crying. I was hot I, everything was making me cry that he was saying, and I just like healed. And I realized in that moment that 
the only thing standing between me and what I wanted my life to be was my mind that was telling me I couldn't. So anyway, that happens. I go from being this snarky, gossipy, rude waitress in LA to all of a sudden I realize that I just love hospitality and I love taking care of customers. I kind of saw waiting tables as sort of a game. You know, I always said, give me the hard groups that are rude and, you know, snappy because I could always turn it around just energetically. I started sort of playing with that theory where you can really shift things if you come from a place of love, not all. I don't know if it's all the time. <laughs> it, wor- it works with, um, no, it, it's worked a lot with uh, my Yeah, <laughs> that's another one. Yeah, it that's really does. One. Like whisper, yeah. slower your yes. voice, like start to just be super kind and yeah. supportive. And it's not fake. It's actually yeah. real. It, it took me a long years, in fact, to get yeah. used to it. And I was simultaneously pursuing a career in fashion And I moved to New York to work at Flaunt Magazine. And then I moved over to a magazine called Budget Living. And I was so depressed. I had never been depressed in my life, but um, I go home and I cry. I became one of those people who hated Mondays to the point where I was just making myself completely sick. And at the time, I was reading this book called Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer and it was really hitting for me. So I said, well, I'm just going to try this out. I'm going to do an experiment and I'm going to just follow the book and see what happens. And so I started meditating and I started to just say, I'm ready for handing my life over to whatever it is that I'm here for. I thought I was going to move to India and be a missionary or something. I was just like waiting for the signs (laughs) and I would just say thank you over and over again. And I'd feel appreciation for what was to come. And I knew that because I had said this, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring it on. I just felt the gratitude and I continued this for months. And I remember talking to my sister and she said, well, what are you going to do when you quit your job? And I said, I don't know, but it's going to be amazing. I can just feel it. I can feel the vibration of it. And then she said, well, why don't you just quit now? And then I just had this feeling of just excitement and love come over me. And I was like, I couldn't do that. No, no. Oh my gosh. I couldn't quit my job. What am I going to do? I, and then she said, why don't you just go back to waitressing until you figure life out? So I did that. I got the courage up to quit my job. And the thing about it, my mind was telling me, you need to have this career to be something. You need to be on your way to uh, success. I was in my mid-20s. And if you go back to waitressing, what's everyone going to think of you? You moved to New York to go wait tables. But I knew in my heart that that's what I wanted to do. And I didn't know why, but I just trusted it. So I go back to waiting tables. I'm super happy. Um, I remember being like the happiest waitress in Brooklyn. I'd be, (laughs) I would be working brunch. Did you ever spend time in Brooklyn? You know, I have. I used to teach a few classes in Brooklyn. I loved the vibe in Brooklyn for my whole, you know, stretch of time that I lived in New York, which was, gosh, almost 30 years. But I don't think that I spent a whole lot of time there. It was always like going through, going to class and leaving. Yeah, that was kind of my, I mean, I lived in Carroll Gardens, but I used to wait tables at this place called Dumont in Williamsburg. And I was probably the only person who would volunteer for Sunday brunches. I just loved it. I'd be chipper waiting on all these hungover people, (laughs) but it was fun. And I went to a birthday party. This was shortly after I quit my job and it was for a friend whose baby was turning one. And she said, oh, um, sorry, everyone. This is a baby cake, you know, might taste a little weird. And I said, what's a baby cake? And she said, well, you know, before age one, they're not really supposed to have eggs. And she started to list off these ingredients that weren't recommended at that time for children under two or something regarding food allergies. So I said, oh, somebody should open a bakery called Baby Cakes. I also had several food allergies. 
I was like, oh my gosh, for all those kids with food allergies, that would be so big. I know it'd be so successful. And I just felt like, oh God, that's such a good idea. And I went into meditation that night and something literally said, you do it. And I don't really have those moments where it was very, it wasn't out loud, but it was something just said it to me. And I had this giddiness. I said, no, I don't know how to bake. I've never run a business. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I just said, yes. And I had a conversation where I said, listen, I will do this. I'm going to need help with the recipes. I'm going to need uh, really big signs from the universe, where to go right, where to go left. Please be specific. And I need help. And otherwise, I'm here. I'll do it. I trust. And um, I just got to work. I started buying ingredients that I believed in that I wanted to use in my bakery because I was a very clean eater and I wanted to use whole grains and I didn't want to use sugar. And there were a lot of products out there that were sort of shortcut vegan baking things like processed soy and just all these things. So I came from it from a very whole food standpoint and I bought the ingredients I wanted to use. And then I just started messing around. And, um, after, I don't know, so many months of trying over and over, I finally got the cupcake down and then moved on to the frosting, which was (laughs) months and months of meditation and, uh, just opening up. And I, I was like, well, I know, what is pulling me is so specific and making me feel so happy when I think of the final product and the place and what it's going to mean to people that I just kept going. And, um, I would wait tables at night and sometimes come home after work with an idea and try it out. And, and then I finally mastered the frosting and then boom, after that, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And I could go on and on about the magic that just lined up for me, including finding my space in the Lower East Side. I was in awe. I said, I can't wait one day. And this is, you know, why I reached out to you one day to be able to help other young women or people who feel so blocked by life that they can't really access their inner vision or the strength to do things because it really is all inside of you. So the first thing I want to say is how proud I am of you for being such a good listener. Thank you. (laughs) And I think for our podcast listener right now, if you're listening to us, that's the job, really, of being a human being, is getting quiet enough, having a practice that helps you get quiet enough so that you can listen when the information is being shared with you in whatever form. Yeah. And I'm amazed. I mean, I'm not amazed and I am amazed. I had similar experiences. And when I listened well, I was basically like as though two big hands were carrying me to the next move. It's really incredible. I know exactly what you're saying. It's, it is a moment where, I mean, I feel like I personally fluctuate between listening and not listening, even though I have had such such a strong experience with listening that sometimes you know, but you don't want to know. (laughs) I'm not sure if you can relate to that, but, um, but yeah, it's. Well, we all have that. (laughs) Anybody who takes the time to sit down and meditate knows you struggle like 45% of the time. You're kind of almost quiet and the other kind of whatever, 55%, maybe even more some days you're kind of, Dealing with your brain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. One of my teachers, uh, Kozan, uh, over at Upaya Zen Center here in Santa Fe, he says, you know, the frustration is the fruit, actually. Ooh. I haven't heard that. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's very smart. Your effort to get to the quiet space that is quiet enough to hear what you have to do next, <laughs> your frustration with your failure to do that is the fruit. And that frustration leads you, it propels you forward, it encourages you in a way. It's so funny. I feel when I get into meditation, 
I feel like my brain is actually being massaged. Like it feels like a massage on my body, but in my brain, but I still, after all this time and after me being such a crusader for meditation, I still try to not do it. I'll be, Oh, uh, maybe not tonight. I'm just, uh, I think I'll just go walk the dog instead. It's so funny. You know, what's cute about that is to, Let's just take a little tangent, shall we, and explore the um, ways in which we distract ourselves from meditation. I found one this morning that was great. Uh, Repacking my bag for a 48-hour trip. I put off my meditation for like 15 minutes, repacking my bag, convinced that that was the right thing to do, and I just laughed. (laughs) I got 15 minutes in. I just started laughing, and I sort of walked very quietly without moving too many limbs over to the cushion, bow to the cushion, light my incense, have a seat. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's so, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Like, what is wrong with you? Just sit down. <laughs> There's that question. Like, I actually have, I'm now learning, uh, today was successful, sometimes it's not, to stop saying, what is wrong with you? In my head. You know who that is? Some like three generations back, somebody saying that to one of my relatives, what is wrong with you? And I'm still living that question and I'm done so with crazy. it. Oh, I Jeez. have so many questions for you. I didn't realize this was going to be a conversation <laughs> about meditation, by the way. I'm oh, so you excited. did it. It's my favorite uh, topic. It is. I love it. It saved my oh, life. God, meditation saved my life. I'm not same. kidding. Not same. kidding. And look at us both trying to avoid it. But still, I do love it. I love that. What were you going to ask me, though? You said you had questions. I have lots of questions. The first is, um, when it comes to your trajectory with the bakery, I remember somewhere reading, or maybe it was in a, an email that we shared, I forget, that you got to a certain point where you kind of burned out, which I think is an important point to talk about for all of us, because every, particularly women, but every person, human, who has ever started a business of their own gets to a point where you overdo it. <sighs> I overdid yeah. it. And we have to like sort of somehow cut the cord, learn how to delegate, ask for help. Maybe it's asking for investment, whatever it is. But I want to be of utility to my listener in this conversation who might be interested in learning what it means to go all the way down into the ditch of burnout and then emerge with some semblance of balance. Oh, my God. So I've been doing this for going on 18 years and I've had these peaks and valleys and, you know, I had my first burnout, which was textbook. Like I mentioned before, I probably frosted and decorated many of the cakes that you purchased because I believed that I was the only person who knew how to handle the frosting because it's a little bit tricky to work with. And after a certain, I think it was the end of Christmas, um, 2006, I guess it was only almost a year and a half that it was just me doing everything. Um, I had a full breakdown, just got sick, shaking, and I realized I needed help. And I had the courage in that moment because I was in such a dark place to actually consider hiring someone who knew how to decorate cakes. So as something as simple as that, asking for help and letting go is step one. I feel like that's very surface. Like we learn how to let go of tasks that your mind really wants to micromanage for whatever reason. For me personally, it gave me a feeling of security knowing that every cake that left was frosted by me. So I knew there were no questions about it. Honestly, I think all that control, because I've had it too in, in other totally different ways, I think it's a fear of death. Ooh, fear of death. Honestly, I think it's that we're afraid to put something bad out in the world because that would leave a mark on the world. And then this is how I think. I, I think this is subconscious and it's something that I've unearthed in the last few years, just doing silent work, where... I was so afraid that something would not be perfect. Of course, yes, perfectionism, but that it would outlast me in its imperfection, and that would be the trace. Ooh, that's so interesting. It's terrible. No, it's interesting because perfectionism is what keeps 
okay, so like, let's relate it back to the bakery. If my bakery is perfect, the bakery will not die. And that's what's keeping me alive. Yeah, that's interesting. Personally, I've been going through this past year has been the hardest of my life. Um, I had some just bad, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like every day there was something so big in a very difficult, challenging way that was being revealed to me or multiple things a day. Just I'll give the best example would be when I went to New York in August I go there to visit the AC breaks, the AC repairman doesn't show up. So, but we still need to stay open because I have to make payroll. So every day that we're closed, it makes it more difficult for me to be able to make that payroll the next week. So I'm like, we're open. We'll get emergency services out. They finally come out as I'm frosting things. All the frosting is falling off the cakes. I put them in the cold case. They're melting inside the cold case the day was just bad and it was getting worse and worse. But I kept saying to myself, okay, I love this bakery so much. I love the people who are working here now. It feels so good in here. Our customers are so excited when they walk in the door. And I, I'm like really soothing myself out of the situation, which is just my nature, but it helped me get through it. And I said, Aaron, you did it. You did it. You did it. <laughs> it was the, I was in the middle of the kitchen. It was maybe like four o'clock. AC was back and running. And then I looked down and the diamond in my wedding ring had fallen out at some point during the day. And then I said, okay, I'm going to find that diamond. I know I'm going to find it. And I emptied out the trash in the middle of the kitchen. People could see me digging through the trash. I squeezed every crumb. I couldn't find it. And I'm going to say a day like that, it was every day was like that. I could cry thinking about it. But I finally let myself cry and I just was like hyperventilating. I called my husband. I thought he was going to be mad, but he was like, Aaron, it's just rock. Like, don't worry about it. It's, you know, this is not important. So I've been going through this period that I'm just sort of coming out of now. And it has been so dark and so lonely and so painful and I felt like quitting. I was like, do I even want to do this anymore? What am I working for? What am I doing this for? And in those dark moments, I was asking the questions that then became my mantra of why I wanted to move forward. I asked the questions like, do I want to do this anymore? Yeah, I do. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this because everyone who walks through the door makes my day. They are so excited. They're bringing in kids who are having their first donut in their entire life. It's just like a love fest. People cry. I had a dad And also the smell. (laughs) Yeah. The smell. (laughs) When I walked into that bakery downtown, what was it? Ludlow? Uh, On Broom Street. Yeah. Broom and Ludlow. Broom Street. Okay. Broom and Ludlow. When I used to walk in there, I literally would melt (laughs) at the smell. Honestly, it was such a joy filled. And when I finally got the kid down there. Oh, the best. I love that. I can just remember his little tiny body with the equal size legs and torso and the curls for days. I can't even. And it brought so much joy. Like your work is so simple. I know if you're listening to us and you're like, all right, I'm still listening to these two talk about a bakery. It's like, (laughs) no, it's so much more than that. It's bakery for people that can never eat that stuff. It's joy for parents and kids to come together over something finally they can eat. And it's a woman who has overcome every doubt and fear to keep going and actually obviously get investment and make it happen. Exactly. Thank you, Elena. That's just so... Thank you, Element, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. We have been personally using Element for well over a year. Element is spelled L-M-N-T. Elemental electrolyte salts that have completely changed the game around my house. Every night before bed, James and I split a packet. Helps us sleep, helps us get good solid rest, and helps combat fatigue, muscle pain, fogginess, irritability even. Did you know that your cells need electrolytes for optimal function? 
And if you're struggling with any of those things, you might just be deficient in electrolytes. They facilitate hundreds of cellular functions in your body, including nerves, hormone regulation, nutrient absorption, fluid balance. Element contains 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. No artificial anything in here, no sugar, no nothing. My favorite flavors, as I said, orange watermelon and the chocolate caramel in hot water is just incredible. Element comes in tiny single-serving packets you can carry with you wherever you go. They're great on planes as well. With my link, you get a free sample pack with any order so that you can try all the flavors. And that link is drinkelement.com forward slash Elena. The spelling is D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash Elena. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Element. Again, the link, drinkelement.com forward slash Elena. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to answer your question in a long way, it's I'm just coming out right now of that really dark moment of wanting to quit. And it's made me so much more clear in my vision and my will to keep going and realizing the value of it's everything. It's providing employment to people in a uh, atmosphere that isn't hostile or demoralizing, which often happens in the food industry, for some reason, there's a lot of hostility and abuse. And I wanted to end that cycle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I also want to show other young people that if you believe in something, you can do it, you just figure it out and keep figuring it out and keep figuring it out like I do every day still. What's so beautiful in sort of to wrap this part up, is that you also have a practice that has walked you through this a uh, really hard time and you've emerged out the other side. So many people have had the hardest years of their lives in the last two years, 2021 and 22. I would like to speak a little bit with you and, and hear you talk about how your practice served in walking you through that very hard, dark time. Well, oh God, I did avoid it. I think when the pandemic started, I made up a good reason to stop meditating and believe that I didn't need it anymore, which I think when you are connected, when you get connected, you can kind of always, even walking through your day, just reconnect really quickly in a difficult moment. I'm not sure if you have that too, but if I'm having a difficult conversation, I can feel myself just like connecting and speaking from a place that really matters where people feel heard and seen and is actually more effective than preparing (laughs) for a difficult conversation. It's just, it has helped me in that way. But as I feel like I flip back to my early days in New York before I even knew about the bakery and I was in that much pain, I said, what's wrong with you? There's a phrase again. I said, why aren't you using the technique that brought you here to begin with? And I remember sitting down, it was right before maybe a few weeks before I connected with you over DM, I was like, well, I'm just going to try and see if I can connect with Elena. I just sat there and I, I sat down to meditate. I'm asking for grace in this moment and I'm here. Tell me what to do. I'm here. And again, like did the formal, like handing my life over here. I am here. I am open. Just please guide me. And what I got from it was to trust my instinct. And I was like, okay, well, okay. And so I said, well, I'll just practice that in micro and macro ways. And yeah, I mean, that honestly led me to you. I was sitting in a salon getting my hair done. I was talking to um, someone who said they knew you. And um, I was talking about meditation and all of my story. And she said, oh, you should connect with the Elena Brower. And, and I said, I feel like I'm, God, how do I know her? And I knew you only because a friend of mine was fanatical about your class in Soho. And I used to look you up. I was like, oh God, she's doing amazing things. And I heard that you were doing- Clearly I need to know who your friend was. <laughs> her name was Sammy. Possibly. Yeah, I don't- Sammy! Sammy Stewart? Yes. 
Okay. Oh, God. I used to read the roster every time. Uh-huh. And I would really try and learn everyone's name in the room. And sometimes there were like 70, 80 people in there. And I, that was my mission. I know exactly who that is. That is very cool. Oh, she'll be so happy. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, tell her I said thank you and send my love, please. And tell her, you know, I, I teach twice a week on GLOW, and it's pretty much the same vibe, a little bit more mature. I did your prenatal yoga oh. on GLOW. Do you know that? So sweet. <laughs> I didn't know that. So How old is your kid? Baby. Uh, she is 10. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. I loved it. I, it was really, really helpful. Um, I guess the... I don't know if I'm remembering the question right, but I have reconnected with my uh, meditation practice and now just really following my gut with things. And it's God, it's just fixing everything. I'm like, damn, <laughs> I was thinking about closing my Santa Monica store because we were having so much financial trouble. And I ended up working for a few weeks in the store and just the the stories people would tell me when they came in and just the happiness on their faces and the place was filling up where we were dead all the time. And it was just filling up with people, eating the food, laughing, taking pictures. And I'm like, I can't let this go. This is too important. And um, it's just bringing so much community, which is something I just absolutely love to do. That's my favorite part, actually, was walking in there and just like, into your bakery downtown and meeting other people who are just equally as elated as Oh, we I were. love it. It's a love fest. It's oh so my cool. God. I love it. Chatting, sitting with people you don't know and yes. you know, the kids getting stuff all over them. And then I'm giving a wipe to that mom and she's giving a, something else to me. It's just so beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love that. I love that image. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So you managed to get out of the trouble in Santa Monica. Yeah. I, um, great. I asked for help. <laughs> it is the hardest thing to do. I don't know why. Uh, in my entire career, the hardest thing for me, and I know that it's the hardest thing for most people, is asking for money and asking for help. And some people have an issue with it. Some people don't. And I do. So let's talk I about that, that for now. a second. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Our listener who has trouble asking for money for a project that she's doing for uh, a nonprofit that she's running or helping, what do we say to her? We say this. I'm going to say this, Elena, and you tell me what you would say. But this is what I said to my girl. I said, listen, you aren't asking for this for yourself. You are asking for this for this entity that you have ushered in. And it's almost like having a baby and put your ego aside or whatever it is that is telling you that you're not worth it or that somehow somebody's going to think poorly of you because of it or that you might be let down because they're going to say no. Just put all of that aside and advocate for that. I very often uh, mentor women and some men who are working through matters like this. And I never actually know what to say in these moments. I just recommend them to go ahead, pick the easiest person first, and be as honest and transparent as possible. Like, that's it. So true. Yes. It's very simple. I just got a request from a gal who's building skate parks on Diné land here in New Mexico. And I sent it to the first person I thought of who's, you know, got connections to all kinds of folks who could drop five or ten grand on this project for the children. It's going through so much hardship, the project itself, as well as those kids. You know, ask the, the easiest person first and be as transparent as possible. I love that. Oh. Yeah, it's... So much better than, uh, I mean, for a while I was professionally raising money for the bakery's expansion because I had the idea, well, I want to sell this. So, but it wasn't my idea to sell it. It was people around me saying, you got to sell it before. What if there's a catastrophe? What if there's X, Y, and Z? It was like fear-based thoughts, get rid of it, you know, flip it, let somebody else grow it. And 
the conversations were just, uh, they just weren't me and they weren't successful even, you know, I was sitting with men on wall street who would turn around and try to just sell me insurance after a two hour meeting when I had just given birth five days before that I was hiding, you know, I was like wearing big clothes. It didn't feel productive because like you were saying, it just, I wasn't telling the truth and not, not that I was lying, but it was not my vision. And then also if you're trying to raise money for something that you're just absolutely in love with and you're passionate about, if you're just telling the truth, it all takes care of itself. It's just what it is. And it's not threatening (laughs) and people can just say, no, sorry, I don't have the money. And what does that feel? And getting used to, yeah. What does that feel like? You know, how do we get over it? And then you just get it's like with practice, you just get better and better at the nose. It's like, okay, well, gonna feel sad for five minutes and move on to the next. Then I'm out, releasing the sadness. I love the sort of factual, sort of boundaries around allowing myself to feel certain things for a certain amount of time, and then just saying, okay. I think I'm ready to release that now and I'll speak it aloud. You know, I'm ready to release this particular sadness. I'm ready to release this disappointment. I'm ready to forgive this person who, it turns out, gave me a gift. Stuff like that really helps me just to say things out loud. It's nothing fancy. I don't, you know, I'm not like following some sort of formula. I have so many things that I need to say out loud, actually. I'm going to put that on my list. I am ready. You can when you're alone, just say it out loud. Totally. There's a release of these humans from our lives that really makes a difference in the availability of our energy for other things. Okay. I have a question for you. I don't want to get off track, but okay. So say you say I release so-and-so and I forgive you and I forgive me. Does it ever come back? Does it creep back in? I haven't had that experience yet. Okay. I don't say it out loud until I'm really ready. Yeah. It took me a year to release this one gal uh, quite recently. It took me a whole year to say out loud, I still respect you. Wow. And I release your behavior and your meanness and your negativity from my life. Oh, my God. I release it now. It's so lovely. And I totally forgive this person. Like this person is on her own trip. I have no idea what it's about, but it's certainly not actually about me because she never actually connected to me. She just was public. (laughs) It was so strange. And reaching out privately instantly yielded no response, but more shame, public shaming. Totes. Uh, and I finally, a year later, am able to release the tendrils of that disappointment and say, clearly, she doesn't want communication, she doesn't want reparation, and she doesn't want reconciliation. And I release it. Oh. And now I'm free. Oh, that's so cool. I yeah. have someone that I need to do that to, and I'm trying to speed up the process, but I know I'm not ready yet. Yeah. And also, you're not doing it necessarily to them. You're doing it for yeah. Yes, I know. That's what I love about that so much is about forgiveness. It's like, well, even forget you. This is for me. I release myself from you and you're. (laughs) It's for you first. And it's also for them. Like, I really feel that she'll just move on to the next, you know, victim or whoever. But the whole point of this is speak it aloud when you're good and ready. And it's very efficient in moving the energy forward out I'm and literally forward. making a list of things that I'm ready to let go of and I'm, I'm going to try this tonight I'm going to have to report back smart please do <laughs> honestly please do I'll send you my number over email so that you have it Great. I'd love to hear the reports um, the last question I had was what do you think is the proudest you've been in your business and what's the proudest you've been in your parenting Oh my God. Wow. That's a question. I have so many things to be proud of in my business. I just, I can't believe it's my life. Um, But my first proud moment, let me go there first, was um, we used to have an older couple who used to come in and they were just 
absolute New Yorkers from the Upper East Side. Their daughter lived in the Lower East Side and she got her dad a cake from us for his birthday. It said, happy birthday, Pop. And they came into the bakery after he had his cake and he said, I just couldn't believe it. I need to try this place. This is amazing. And um, it was our first Thanksgiving. So it was November, 2005. And Pop is in line with his wife and his daughter. And he runs into another old New Yorker and Pop says to his friend, what are you doing here? And, and the guy said, it's the best bakery in New York. What are you doing here? And they like, they just started talking about the bakery together and what they loved and what they were suggesting. And I just could not believe that was my life. I don't even know if this is a word, but I'm a New Yorkophile. My parents are from New York. They raised us in California, but I've always knew that I wanted to do something in New York. And it was just so gratifying for me. I just like, I felt so proud. I was like, yeah. I did it. I did it. I wish I could have oh, been it was there. So amazing. But these, you know, the New oh, York dudes, God. were they in suits or oh, were they oh, like yeah. weekenders? No, they were, I mean, they were suits. like, my dad was, you know, always kind of halfway dressed, you know, more formal than men nowadays. But, um, and then I think another part of it is what I'm proud of is, um, how I manage my just relations within the company. And it goes back to what we were talking about and just connecting and just speaking from your heart and the truth and speaking the truth. This truth is not scary to say when you feel connected and you're just opening up and the conversation goes in a very organic way and it's resolution is so easy. Um, so I think the way in which I have managed these managers and the staff. I've always felt really proud of how that has worked out. Kindness is everything, oh, dude. Everything. And I really, truly, I know a lot of companies tell their employees, oh, we couldn't do this without you. And some of them might be authentic, but I really feel like every single one of them, the employees, they add just flavor. Like they're, it's just like, thank you for being here and just being so out there and weird or just being so sweet and kind or so diligent with your list and being like a hard nose on getting side work done. I just, I feel like everyone is, oh my God, they're what makes baby cakes slash Aaron McKenna's bakery. What it is, is they serve the people every day and they are the face of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I love them. Um, and then with parenting, oh my God, oh God, what am I, hold on. Can I get 10 seconds uh, to our listener? While you're thinking about it, just relax. Our listener, I'm going to take a moment and have a little empathy for myself and my parenting journey. You could do the same thing. And if you're not a parent, have a little empathy for yourself as the child of your parent. Have a little empathy for your parents. I sort of want to play the Jeopardy song. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a hard question. Okay. Okay. Any proud moment. I'm going to give you really. a recent proud moment. Because it's just coming to mind. Um, I have three kids. So my youngest is five. And you know what five is like. It's great. And then it's really tumultuous. And my daughter was on her way to her first day of school with the other two, kindergarten. And um, I had packed her lunch. And Oh, no. She wanted to do cafeteria first day. They're walking out the door. It's two minutes till they need to be at school. And she says, I don't want to do cafeteria. I want a lunch. And immediately inside, I was like, get out the door. I don't care. You know, you missed your opportunity. Go. And then I just kneeled. I just had compassion in the moment. I knew that there was a lot of uncertainty coming her way. And I just knelt with her and I said, I'm going to make you a peanut butter sandwich. Is that okay? Because that's all I have time for. And she said, yes. And so I quickly just like put a few things together. And my son, who is eight, was watching from the kitchen and he said, you're a really good mom. And I said, Oh my God, Ford, my heart just melted. And I'm like, Oh no, thank you for it. I'm just making her lunch. And he said, no, you really are. And that's a proud moment that I think I'll always keep. You know, that is a proud moment to find the wherewithal and the patience and the clarity to have that sort of a boundary on your communication in a fraught moment with your kid is a real art. It's a daily thing. It's yeah. nonstop. You have to constantly just ground yourself and also understand, you know, 
our energy dominoes out. If I am ranting all over the place, it just causes way more chaos and irritation in the household. It just takes a second, calm down, do go from your heart, boom, we're good. Present the choices that are actually available. Yeah. (laughs) Calmly and surely. I want to thank you, Erin McKenna. It is such a joy to get to know you. Thank you for all the years and birthdays and school events that you've cupcaked for us. And I just really appreciate being able to dive in a little bit and hear your journey on a more realistic and personal level. And I know our listener does too. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It's I've been looking forward to this for so long. And mm. thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. I can't wait. I'm going to order something from Gold Belly very oh. soon. I'll send you something. I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Much love, my dear. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.